When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sammy, thanks for having me, mate. How are you going? Very well. Great to speak to you, as always. Um couldn't have. I mean, we've we've done it pretty nicely, haven't we? I mean, it, it, it's to, to make sure that we go into the final round where you know at least half the games. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Five out of the eight games. Uh, so five out of the nine games mean something in terms of ladder position. Yeah, potentially the most significant round of footy we've had all year, Sammy. It's it's exciting to see. I mean, it's um, they call it the pointy end of the season for the reason for a reason, and um, we've. We've landed on this round 23, um, you know, host of games. It's just going to be so exciting. We're all going to be glued to the TV for a host of reasons. As you say, there's coaches finishing up. There's players playing for their career. There's retirements. There's, you know, a, a blockbuster Friday night clash. And there's people fighting it out for the last final spot. So it's a, it's got everything this round. It's going to be so super exciting. Uh, Western Bulldogs, Port Adelaide. Obviously, this has got top spot ramifications, top four as well, home finals. It's got a heap uh, involved in it. The Dogs uh, have lost two in a row, and they haven't done that all year except for the last two weeks. Uh, five goals the Hawks were able to keep them to. They've got some issues in the midfield. Uh, they've got some issues up forward. And Port Adelaide seem to be rectifying a lot of their issues in the back part of the year and are looking to do what maybe uh, Hawthorne did in 08, and that's to finish top four after not beating anyone in the top four. Um, although mm. if they beat the Western Bulldogs, they'll go one better than the uh, the Premiership Hawks did in 08. But um, they seem to be coming good at the right time of the year, although that question mark is on them for can they beat a top four side, but they've got Fantasia back now and Gray's back, so they look more dangerous than they have. Um, 19 points, the Dogs beat them by last time they played. What are you expecting Friday night? Well, massive game, and you've, you've hit the nail on the head a little bit there, Sammy. The Port Adelaide are hitting a little bit of form. It's a massive game for them because they need this momentum to go into to finals, and they've got some stars back. And the Western Bulldogs, I mean, dare we say, they're in a bit of a lull. Clearly, they've had the, the two losses and a couple mm. of injuries to a key forward. And it, it puts this is where the psychology of footy comes into it, especially as a player, because... The, the noise around you, meaning losing these games, a little bit of media hype, players being injured. Um, there's a bit on the line here because they could fall out of the top four or finish at the bottom there. It, it, it really, it's a bit shaky. And, and a lot of these other teams like Melbourne, Geelong, Brisbane, have all had their sort of, uh, their little bit of a lull about four to five weeks ago. And they're all starting to become good, but the dogs are having their wobbly patch now. It's a huge game. I'm just a little bit in favour of Port Adelaide at the moment, only because they've had a bit of momentum behind them, and the dogs might have that little little seed of doubt, which which could you know could upset the apple cart big time. So last week with the dogs, and we'll talk about Port in just a minute and what you're liking about them. But um, all year they've been the number one attacking team in the competition, but held to five goals last week. And um, Luke Beveridge said it wasn't the forward line wasn't the issue. Uh, it was the midfield issue. They only had 35 entries, and that is absolutely true, uh, what Bevo's saying. But when it comes to their forward line, 
They only went at 43% inside 50 efficiency, which is well below their season 51%, and they're number one in the comp for that. So whilst it wasn't the start of the issue, it certainly was an issue up forward for them because they were well below, and yep, the Tassie conditions might have contributed to that. But Aaron Norton looks out of touch. He's had a couple of concussion issues this year, and I think he's kicked 10 goals in the last 12 weeks and doesn't seem to be attacking the ball in the air as much. Mm. You know, they're missing mm. Josh Bruce, as we know. Tim English hasn't come back from his concussion stuff uh, as the player that I think he was before those. And that's not a criticism of both those guys. You can understand that. But it is a, 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 a it is an issue going in um, into finals. Is it time to... They've persisted with a, with a Hannon and, and they've gone a few other directions. But the guy that kicked the most goals for them last year is their vice captain and still sitting in the twos when the twos are able to play. Is now the time to just go, well, geez, it, no, it, the last couple of weeks hasn't quite worked for us up forward. Do we look to bring in a Mitch Wallace to bring another, a, a, just a different dynamic and a, a bit of grunt for a guy that we know will lay a tackle inside the forward arc for you. And if you're not getting as many entries, at least you can try and keep it in there. I agree, totally. There's got to be, a, they've got to change it up. The last week, the dogs seemed to uh, to lose that dash and that, that bravado going through the middle of the ground. They've always played this really fast play on at all costs kind of footy. I mean, they're smart at times as well. They know when they've got teams, or well, when teams have got them and they need to, you know, hold possession. But a lot of the time, the dogs will always try and find that little, that little handball that gets them out into some space and they attack. And, when they play slow, it, it throws this doubt through the midfield and through their forward line. It seems to me. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched every Western Bulldogs game this season, but if there's doubt through the midfield, then it throws a little bit bit of doubt going forward, which means they don't see that um, the target they want to hit. They, there's a little bit of guessing of where they're going to go. But bringing a guy like Wallace back in could give that ground level intensity. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Also, I also look at it. Steph Martin was a, a guy they recruited, hoping to to bolster yep. the stocks, and he'd been vital in you know in this part of the season because it does allow English to to stretch opposition defense, defenses and go forward. So he's not in the team, and that does put a bit of pressure on the young ruckman when they're trying to find that balance. But yeah, they've got to, if they, look the traditional Bulldogs' way is to play fast and be really really direct, and they just hammer the footy in and get in deep. And there's a couple of entries also saw last week where. They went really um, short going inside 50, which means Hawthorne could t- turn the footy over across the top of the 50. And that hurt the dogs on their counter-attack. Yeah, and that, look, they haven't brought Mitch Wallace in. Uh, they've brought Rourke Smith in. Um, Rolly Garcia has been the player admitted. So they didn't bring the second ruckman in, Jordan Sweet, either, just to give English a bit of a chop out. So the, the forward line has name, and we know it won't line up like this, but it's Caleb Daniel, Lewis Young, Bailey Smith, uh, and then Liberatore Norton, and Waitman. So you wonder whether they might go back to 2016 and put Zane Cordy up forward, or does he swing Bailey Dale back down there, despite him being an All-Australian half-back contender? It's clear that they're lacking inside Ford 50. So it'll be fascinating to see how they get the matchups right on the day. From a Port Adelaide point yep. of view, Stakes, what's impressing you about them, and, and where do you think they've got an advantage? Well, they've got this grunt, haven't they, for some reason, Port Adelaide? They've always had this... Uh... Oh, it's never saved our attitude. They're always around the mark. Um, they've built that reputation over the last few years. They've hit a little bit of form, and and they're a team that when they get there, when they get a sniff, I suppose they they really put the foot on the throat. Um, you know, Dixon's starting to kick some goals. Fantasia's getting a taste of it. They've still got their workhorses in the middle, which is both. Lysette seems well. I think Lysette will be okay. I, I mean, I know he hurt his knee, so I'm not exactly sure in the reports of him. But there's live wires all over the field with Rosie and Amon. Ollie Wines is in that engine room, so they've got some they've got some really tough um, 
you know, hard workers in that in that Port Adelaide team that can really get them over the line and and no doubt with Ken Hinckley, their coach, just making sure that they're they're up for this fight. So that's that's how I sort of view Port Adelaide and it's hard up here in Queensland. I mean, I, I do watch a fair bit of Fox footy, Sammy, but um, sometimes you do miss a few of the games. But and I've called a few Port Adelaide games this year actually up here in Brisbane. And um, yeah, I do like what I when I when they're on, they got belted by Brisbane early on in the year. But when they're on, they're a very hard team to beat. So speaking of Brisbane, if if the Dogs lose, then the door opens for Brizzy. If they can get a big win over West Coast, make up the percentage, they can jump into the top four and secure that double chance. If they finish fifth, they get a home final. But I've got the feeling that they'd much prefer the double chance in a year like this. So <laughs> what, what they seem to be right back to their best. And I know it's it, – it, look, people might say it's only Collingwood that they beat last week, but they're the only team to go over 100 points nine times this year. And that's without Rainer all year and now without Hipwood in the back part of the year. Um, Joe Danaher looks to have really found his feet. Charlie Cameron back in form. but And love what Cockatoo was able to bring to the table with a couple of goals to him. McCarthy, you know, is good for a couple of goals. Uh, McStay yep. with three last week. So they've got this incredibly potent forward line. But the linchpin to it all for me, the key to unlocking that whole forward line is actually Dane Zorko. I mean... He, I, I call it the point guard position, but he is in the top few in the competition for inside 50, uh, score involvements, goal assists. You know, his meters are way up there in top five. Uh, he is so important, and maybe we don't appreciate just how influential a player he is um, because he's based up there in Brizzy. But I, I think that there is nobody that holds the keys to their forward line more in the competition. Maybe Marcus Bontempelli and Dusty when he's going, but than Dane Zorka. Mm. You've summed it up absolutely perfectly, Sammy. Look, Zorks is um, he's a fly-in-a-bottle type of player. He's got so much energy. Those little piston legs just keep on working so hard. And he, he turns up, Zorks, and that's what they love about him. And, I mean, we shared the locker next to each other, uh, number 14 and 15, for a while there. And I was just always admired him as a young fellow that came in, how hard he worked. And, and when he got his opportunity, he grabbed it with both hands. And it's a testament to his career. And uh, it, it, it's on show every week. Um, he's a glue, like you say. A lot of people really, really do admire him at that footy club. He's a likable guy, um, and he's just a host of host of many stars in the team. They're a star-studded forward line. It's I, I sometimes it's staggered. You know, you go back two or three weeks ago in round twenty when they got beat by Hawthorne, and um, I really think that stirred up the Hornets' nest. Fagan would not have been happy. There was mm-hmm. vision of him on the game there, you know, giving a spray and probably a little bit of a wake-up call for the players because they'd lost two on the trot after that game, and now they've come back and won two on the trot, and it's a little. That's the little lull they had with the wake-up call they needed. Other guys get opportunities like Cockatoo, as you mentioned. Um, and it's it's funny game footy. And, and as we say, on this time of the year, that little bit of momentum, that little bit of belief, Brisbane have found that. And having a crowd last week was huge. And it was only 15,000. But they've had two crowds in two weeks. And they're going to get a third crowd now. And um, and this is what some of these teams are missing out on. I know it's only a, a small you know, 0.5 of a percent or 1%. But you ask the players, I think it's huge. From an outside of view, it's only a small percent. But player-wise, it's massive. Cats and Demons. Um, this is uh, 2v1. Well, sorry, I, think, I, think, I think Brisbane will beat West Coast. Ah, oh, beautiful. Thank you. And they need to. And I agree with you. I just thought we were both in agreement on that without saying. Um, we, we can talk about West Coast Euro mob another time um, yep. when we... We do a wrap-up of the people that haven't performed well, but let's keep an eye on those who are still really in the hunt. And West Coast, by the way, can actually make it back into the eight, so I shouldn't have been so um, flippant in that. But just the way they've been playing, Stakes, you, you, you just could not see it on any day. Yeah, hard to hard to pick, mate. Yeah, you need a crystal ball 
crystal ball for them because you're just not sure which team's going to turn up. No, nah, and no Shepard. No, Petrocelli out, Shepard out, McGovern out, Josh Kennedy out, Kelly's injured and out. Uh, so mm. it all, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the it's end a of a really, really mediocre and disappointing season from a side that I think a lot of us had high expectations for. Um, we don't have heap of time left, but but 2v1, this is mouth-watering as well. Geelong and Melbourne down at GMHBA. Uh, Rowan, Myers, Atkins come back in for the Cats. Um, they lose Radigalia, who's been omitted. Narkel, again, the medical sub. Uh, Higgins mm. has been managed. Zach Guthrie's been omitted. It'll be Mark Blixar's 200th game. And for Melbourne, listen to these ins. Viney, May, McDonald. Uh, Melksham's been omitted. Jordan as well. And Hibbard too. Uh, that is uh, some big names coming back in for the Ds. And this should be a cracker. Mm, and, and some big names going out. Um, Look, it's a danger game for me for Geelong. This is a chance for Melbourne. Here we go. We've, we've finally got to round 23, and this is a chance now for Melbourne, and it turns out against their old foe Geelong, to really stamp some authority and, and scare the competition going into this, this finals round or into the finals ahead because, you know, everyone's, everyone's had a little bit of doubt or a little bit of, um, how would you say, Tammy? Melbourne, no one's really believed in Melbourne the whole season. Everyone thinks they're going to stumble at the last hurdle. Well, here's the last hurdle for the for the home and away season, and can they stamp their authority on it? So Geelong, a little bit at the moment, have been a bit hot and cold. I feel like they've um, they've clearly lost some games that they should have won easily, or been you know favourites to get over the line, and they've they've messed that up, and it might cost them. But definitely for Melbourne, they're my favourite in this game. I know Blixlaws and the, and the whole 200 game thing, but without a crowd, um, Geelong are huge to have a crowd at that ground, but for Melbourne. Um, I, I think they're favourites. They have to be favourites, and it's a huge opportunity to to scare the rest of the competition here. They've really got to make the most of this game. Yeah, and and no Tom Stewart. We've you know everybody's been speaking about just how uh, about important him, yeah. he is. He, just the nucleus, probably their most important player, really, other than Paddy Dangerfield. So, um, you know, the way they cover him is actually Blixarves, who now has to go back into defence, and they're sort of having to shuffle it around. Um, how do you then go? So, what's the instruction to? to Rowan, Hawkins, and Cameron to try and keep May, Lever, and Petty all with a one-on-one matchup. The teams that have had success over Melbourne have created one-on-ones inside their forward Mm. 50 and not let the lag off happen, not let the third man up occur. So how do they make sure that that... Because the thing about Geelong we know is that a lot of times they like to use a slow build, a methodical build-up to the way that they attack. So they... And, and a lot of people have believed it's them conserving energy with an old list. Um, but they can't really afford, and maybe they'll let it go this week, um, given that they're guaranteed top four. But when they come up against Melbourne with the whips cracking, they can't afford to slow play them, can they? Because it just plays into their defensive hands. Yeah, that's right. To a certain point. I mean, Geelong, like you say, they retain the footy and they're trying to find that perfect option. They don't always play long down the line. It's always the last option for Geelong. If Geelong get to middle of the ground or... 70, 80 metres out and blaze away, I believe that plays into Melbourne's hands. Mm. So Geelong to beat those defenders and to really isolate and find that matchup, the best matchup to kick to, even if it is a one-on-one. Because if you go to a one-on-one and it's maybe Hawkins or it's it's someone else v Lever, you'd rather have it one-on-one and take out that third man because Melbourne are so good at that third man option and reading that play. So that means around that 70 or 80, don't blaze away. You've got to be methodical on where you're going to hit, where you're going to find that kick and where those forwards are going to lead. That's the only way to really beat them. There's going to be times where they're going to be rushed and Geelong are going to keep the footy inside 50. But if they can find that balance, especially early, because that'll, that'll shake the Melbourne defence, but if they can find that balance, that gives them a chance because that is a potent defence for Melbourne. And they'd love, they'd love to just see that pressure upfield, that bomb kick, 
or that little, you know, kick and hope, and they cut it off. Uh, Stakes, last question for yes. me. So at the moment, GWS and Essendon sit seventh and eighth. Uh, the teams that can uh, slide up into those spots, West Coast and Fremantle, uh, are you seeing any change to the uh, to the ladder there? Or do you think that the Giants will get the win over Carlton, Essendon should get the win over Collingwood, uh, and that's how you're thinking the eight will uh, end up? I think that's how it'll end up. I mean, Carlton will be angry. Colin will be angry. But I think GWS can still get over Carlton. I think Essendon, they, they have to get over Collingwood. Um, there's no doubt about that. So I think Fremantle will uh, they'll come home with a wet sail. But uh, I think they'll just miss out. And they had their, you know, they really got their, I suppose, wake-up call last week for the competition to say that they're, they're around because they beat West Coast. But I think, the comp- I think the final eight will finish with GWS and Essendon and and it should round out that way. I'd be surprised if, if something else changes there because the momentum in the season that Essendon have had and GWS, I mean, GWS started, you know, the first seven or eight rounds are awful, but the kind of game that they're playing at the moment and, and the contribution from all their players has been outstanding. So they, they are a team, they're one of those teams that you, um, you know, we've taken our eye off a little bit and there's, we don't really rate them, but they're a team that can cause a lot of, a lot of problems in this final series, I think. And uh, if they do finish up in seventh, that week one of the finals, between mm. them and the Swans is going to be an absolute <laughs> belter. Uh, Where's it going to be played? Well, we don't know, but hey, we'll wait and see. We don't want to get too out of ourselves. Hey, Stakes, thanks so much, mate. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Sammy. Cheers, mate. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.